Stephen, let me say that we're doing an awesome book in Sunday School called Counterculture that I'm really tickled with. Attendance has been horrible. So let me encourage you, since next week the game's at 2.30, let's get up for Sunday School. There's a one at 11 and one at 9.30, and they're really good. And so I think you'll be the best Sunday School you'll ever be in, and you're missing it. If you think of it, that best college Sunday School in the Methodist Church in this town. I can even say that. We're probably the only one, but whatever. It's kind of a, it's a cool thing. So anyway, uh, Galatians chapter 5, uh, I think... You might wonder where I'm going on this one, but it's like I, I, I read you the, the commandment, right, about coveting, but the word covet has never spoken to me. I don't know if it speaks to you. It's just like, what does that mean to covet? And really, when we translate it into American, it's more like jealousy or envy. So if you look at covetousness, what we're really talking about, jealousy, and the thing you've got to know before I even start is there's no positive thing about jealousy in the Bible, except God is jealous for us. So there's a godly jealousy that he's really jealous for you, and wants you all to his own. You know, he doesn't, doesn't mean he does want other people, but he doesn't want Satan to have you or you to have the world. He wants to have you. And so that's the positive side. Everything else is pretty negative. And so I used to think that I wasn't a very jealous person. It's not a big issue in my life. But then when we started investigating how much jealousy there really is, I started talking to some of the guys about the little jealousies they had in junior high. Do you all remember junior high? Oh, hell on earth, right? And it's like you remember all these crazy things you were worried about that you smelled bad, you, didn't, you weren't tall enough, you were too tall, you were this, you were too skinny, you are too fat. You know, it's like this absolute paranoia that somebody else has something better than you do, you know, a better parents, better opportunities, whatever. And so I feel like it becomes a question at some point, do you really trust God that he built you the way he built you and you're going to get the fair share? You know what I mean? You're going to get your goods and your bads and your not so goods and you know what? I was just thinking about something I'm jealous for, and I was listening to the praise man going, you know, I've always been kind of jealous of musical people, people with rhythm. It's just something I don't have. And so, you know, seeing somebody with this automatic rhythm, it just doesn't seem fair. You know, but you know what? That's not a big issue. Somebody has described jealousy as a, a mental cancer. And the reason is because a jealousy like that is just a little thing, but it can take over your life and become a really big issue that you're always looking at other people, not satisfied with who you are and what you do. And so what I want to talk about is, is Galatians chapter 5. Paul's writing to the Galatians. and he's, Now you have to understand, Paul was a Jew, right? And a good Jew. And all of a sudden now in Christ, he's taken the law, which the Jews have always thought was beautiful and good, and saying, but the law is not good enough. So he made him mad just bringing up the subject, right? So he's start talking here about how do you get past law. Now you guys will learn this in your life if you haven't already. Rules are not the answer to life. You can make so many rules, you make yourself miserable, you know, and make everybody Christians have to do this and this and this, when really, we can't keep the law. Nobody can keep the law completely. That's why we needed Jesus in the first place, right? And so listen to Paul from that perspective, writing to the Galatians. He says, and I want you to concentrate on the beginning part of this verse, instead of the end, which we all know and by heart. You all know the fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience. Well, we're going to talk about the other fruits, the not-so-pretty fruits, I guess, tonight. So I say... Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit is what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So the Jews were like, not under the law? What's that? You know, sure doom would come, right? The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, I like that one, and the like. 
I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. You all got that little harshness there at the end? That's not for us. That's for other people, right? And then he goes in 22 and it all becomes pretty. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us not keep in, excuse me, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for these profound words of Paul. Help us to apply them in our life. Help us to get past law in our life, to find that spirit life that we were meant to have. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. So some people thought this was Paul's huge failure. The experiment of doing away with the law, so to speak, would all of a sudden leave us with no rules, right? Do you all ever try to live the no-rule life? It doesn't work in government. It doesn't work with people in general. Why? Because innately we have the tendency to sin, and we sin on our, against ourselves, but then we start sinning against each other, and then it becomes a big disaster. And so history kind of knows that, but Paul's saying there's something beyond that, that we can become spirit people instead of law people. And I think Christianity battles this all the time. We want rules because they make us feel good, but tell me honestly, has anybody out there not broken the law once? And I'm not talking about the speeding laws, you know, although I've broken a few of those. I'm talking about, you know, some really obvious sins that I did, and remember what they say, if you break one, you're guilty of the penalty of the whole law. So who's the perfect person out there, yeah? Is there anybody who's going to be bold enough, uh, no one to say, I have never sinned? No, none of us. We all know it, and we kind of keep quiet. And then we kind of, we know that to be true. We were saved by grace and mercy. We needed saving, but then we turn around and we build the laws up again around us, all these, even for ourselves. And somehow, I know with me, I have a high self-discipline kind of a personality. I'm really good at, you know, changing my behavior to the right thing, you know, and leaving out the easy stuff, you know, and stopping stuff. But you know what? I discovered that the law is, I mean, my, my self-discipline is part of the law. It's a good thing, but it's just me. It's me trying to be good, trying to be perfect. Have you hit that spot where you hit perfect yet? Have you been so disciplined? You read your Bible every day and you did everything. Did you ever achieve perfection? No. It's like I, I can struggle, and I've done this. I mean, I will struggle, struggle. I'll witness, I'll serve the Lord, I'll go to Bible study, I'll go to church. And then all of a sudden I realize, wait, where is the Spirit in this? You know, where is the Holy Spirit in my life? He's not perfecting me. Max Mertz is perfecting me. Maybe that's a kind of a pride when you think you don't need as much perfection as other people do. So, you know, if Rachel's going to make it to heaven, then surely we all will, right? You know, it's like if she can make it, you know, it's like it's that kind of a sense that, well, I'm better than everybody else, so I'm really safe here. Is that not judging people? I think that's pretty harsh if you think about it. So I guess my point is, guys, it's not that self-discipline's evil, but at some point we have to read the verse here. What does it say in the beginning, right? We need to live by the Spirit. We need to let the Spirit of God promote all of the fruits of the Spirit in our life. I used this illustration one time in youth ministry years ago, and I remember thinking about it. It's like, it seems to me the church has created sort of Plastic food. Have you ever gone into a house and there's plastic food in the bowl and stuff? I really get annoyed by that because it looks scrumptious. And then you go over there and it's boink. You know, you know, it's not real. I remember I even went to a wedding. Do you remember I went to a wedding there one time? This is not related very well, but I was up in the tower and we were out there and there's a guy built this. It was a really cool wedding cake. It was a, I mean, groom's cake. It was a bulldozer. Do you remember that? But anyway, there was a, there was a cake full of 
what I thought was plastic fruit, and it was like frosted strawberries and all this stuff. And so I went over to it, and I touched it because I thought, this is plastic, but no, it was real. But anyway, don't touch the groom's cake. <laughs> it, may look, it may look fake, but keep your hands off the food. You know, it was, it was kind of embarrassing, and my, my wife scorned me, but whatever it's about that. But, you know, it's like, I feel like we can create for church. Can't we get plastic fruit, the fake fruit? I'm really patient in church. You know, I'm really, now I confessed to you last week, patience is not my ripest fruit. You know what? And then one of the things, too, that I don't know about you all thought, if, imagine if God looked at you and said, here's the fruit of the Spirit. If you fail in any of these, you are condemned. I would be in big trouble. I bet every one of us would. Sometimes I read the fruits of the Spirit and I think, perfection. When will I ever attain that kind of stuff? The key is, guys, we've got to get away the plastic to get to the real fruit, to really get the idea that to be the man of God and the woman of God we're meant to be, we need the Holy Spirit to be doing this in our life. All my discipline is dust before the Lord unless it's not led by the Spirit. You see what I'm saying? Because you'll get so frustrated working so hard to be good and then you discover you still can't be good by yourself. God has to be working good in your life. And this is when he can get inside of you and, and actually make you a more loving person. Actually make you a more patient person. And I thank God he doesn't work on all those areas at the same time in my life. But I really feel like he, he targets like one area and goes, this week we're going to learn about patience. This week we're going to learn about loving people. You know, and he kind of gives me my target and I get frustrated and then I realize, lean on the spirit to have me change. It's together. Remember, there's three words they use. Led by the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, and I forgot what the other one was. But the idea is that you've got to be with the Spirit all the time, right? It's not like one specific thing. But if you think about it, every day you've got to get up and go, Lord, I want what's going inside of me to not be plastic fruit, fake things I put on so other people think I'm nice. But change me from the inside, Lord. You know, make me the person you want me to. You hearing what I'm saying? It's like God's got to be involved with that, or it's just a fake. We're just doing the law, trying to be. You know, we just sang that song, you know, if I'm not love, it's a noisy gong, right? It's if God is not working love in my heart, then I'm still way back at the beginning with all this plastic fruit butt on so everybody thinks I'm loving, and then something ugly comes out of me, you know, at some point and shocks me. Well, I started looking up. This is a real spiritual battle back and forth. Think about what the commandment, when you go back to that, what are the Ten Commandments for? We think of them as don't do, don't do, don't do, when actually these are things God is saying, if you do this, your life will be worse off for it. And if you don't do it, you will get the best life that was meant for you. So jealousy is one of those fruits that will just like, I mean, bad fruits that will destroy us. It will take over more and more of our life, always looking to the other person's stuff or the other person's talents or beauty and going, I'm not good enough. You know, it's really funny. We were laughing. This is guys talking now. What were we jealous of? I was jealous, I confess, of hairy guys in junior high. You know what? I had zero hair, no beard, no mustache, no chest hair, no armpit hair. And you girls will laugh. I was jealous that guys would have armpit hair. Like, yes, manliness. So one day I remember I lifted up my arm and there was like three black hairs that stuck out. And I was like, yes, manhood. You know, this is the manly man. It's like, that, is that a stupid thing to be jealous of? Now I think to myself, I wish I could stop shaving so much. But then it was a big deal. Some of you guys are like, I wish I had a beard like some of the manly men around here. Who's a manly man with a beard? Uh, nobody. Oh, there you are, Kobe. He's a manly man. I didn't see a Kobe. It's like we could all admire his beard. And then, you know, all it means is an excess of hormones. Should we be excited about that? You know, it's like, no, sorry, Kobe. <laughs> but <laughs> I just think you girls are just as dumb about this stuff. You'll be jealous of 
oh, she's so pretty, or she's so skinny. You know, I'm like, you know, that's really... Now, guys, what are we jealous of? Muscles, right? It's like, look, look at how buff Garrett is. You know, man, I wish I was like Garrett. You know, it's like, or, you know, it's, it's funny. We look at these other guys, and there's always, right in the gym, there's always somebody buffer and bigger muscles. I got to make some fun here for a second. When I work out in the morning, there's some guys with boobs that are bigger than girls, and they're, they're out here, and, and I think to myself, what are they going to do when they get old? They're going to be down here. You know, it's like, how do you keep those things from sagging? You know, it's like, I, I, I'm not lying if you know what I'm talking about, from all the, the chest weights, and I was like, you create that thing. And okay, so Tarzan, you guys got to watch Tarzan, maybe you didn't know what I'm talking about. Tarzan in the 1940s, he didn't have boobs out here, and he was buff. You know, what happened? Exactly that that's cool. It's not even human and stuff. It's, to me, it seems a little ridiculous. But anyway, moving on. I'm talking about all this because these are dumb jealousies. You can go, this is ridiculous. Why do I think that girl's so pretty? I actually went through a stage where I thought curly hair was the thing. Wow, wouldn't it be great to just get up and have your hair done automatically? When I get up, my hair's in every direction, and then it just falls down flat. That's all it does. And the, look at those guys with that great hair. You know, it's just, the girls just run their hairs. Things are, and then I found out, this is a true story, I found out the girls actually love bald guys. And so we had a guy who shaved his hair. He wasn't bald, but he shaved his head totally bald, but he said the girls went crazy for him. His name was Oz. True story. And, then he, and I said, why do you look, you know, do that? And it's like, it looks like a cancer patient to me. And he says, he says, the girls love it. They keep touching my head, and I love it. And so an idea for later, you know. It's like you might, you might want to try that. But anyway, all these stupid things you think, well, these are dumb jealousies. They are really big jealousies, guys. How many times have I heard here at A&M, those people are way smarter than me. I'm not as smart as everybody else. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that from really smart people. You have to look. If we're the top 10th, how would you like to be the bottom 10th and looking up going, wow, I don't have very many smarts. You know, it's like it must be really hard if they realize, you know, how much smarter. And we sit around and we always want the best and the more, right, and the highest grade in the hall. It's like, come on. Are we spending our time like that cancer we was talking about? A mental cancer of always wanting something you can't have and that you're not. Maybe self-acceptance is partly going, I realize God gave me this and I'm working with this. It's not what everybody else has. You know, it's not, not how pretty you are or, or whatever. It's like, this is it. And, and this is what God's given us for our life. I think in a way, all of the acts of the flesh, if you go back and all those disgusting sins we just talked about, almost all of them anyway, are directly related to social sins, meaning they're things unloving that you do to other people and yourself. And so it's interesting. Then he switches over and he goes, okay. Oh, by the way, I didn't just find the difference. Jealousy, supposedly, this is sort of fake, is, is basically that you want, you want something else uh, that's worth more. But with envy, it's more like you want something one, uh, somebody else has and you want them to do without it. You know what I mean? So it's a little meaner to envy, be envious of somebody else. I don't know if you've ever had that feeling. Most of the time when I'm envious, I see a classic car and I'm like, ooh, I like that, but I don't want to take it away from the owner. You know, I don't really want it. So it's not about having more or, or bigger toys. It's more like wanting to take it away from somebody or being jealous that you can't afford what somebody else can. What a waste of time, guys, right? It's basically an anxiety issue too, isn't it? Because we're worried about what we can't have and we're going to spend our time just sort of stuck. It's almost like I, the other day I was out at the lake and trying to get my little trailer out and I got my truck stud in the mud. You know, it's rained just enough this week that I got off the bricks, and then my wheel went down, down, down. And every time I tried to go forward, it went a little closer to the side and down deeper in the mud. And I mean, I was really getting frustrated because I was all by myself, and I was like, how do you get out? And I, oh, 
and I got my winch out to winch out my thing. You know, guys don't know what a winch is probably, but I got my winch out and a mouse or rat has chewed through the wires of my, my winch. I'm like, really? God, are you mad at me today? You know, it's like, it was one of those days. My point is, we get stuck in the mud being jealous. We really do. We get to where we can't even help ourselves. This is a big sin. It's one we don't even talk about. It's almost like we've learned socially not to admit that we're jealous. But when you're mean to somebody else because they're prettier than you or smarter than you, you're really being jealous if you think about it. You're really being mean-spirited. And you're saying God didn't give you enough love or enough grace and enough mercy. And that's ridiculous, right? Because he loves us all the same. You know, he loves us all in that same way. So let's switch over to the the fruit of the Spirit here, right? Completely unattainable by Max Mertz and his self-discipline. I can fake it. I can get better maybe. And certainly... I can make some progress, but I think with God's spirit, then all of a sudden Max's self-discipline and God's spirit together can actually change, can move forward. I don't think God's going to automatically give you the fruit of the spirit. I think you're going to have to go, okay, Lord, I want your spirit inside of me to produce it. I want to grow that fruit, and that means a little bit of struggling, you know. But if you think about it, the word they use flesh, this is important to catch. The word he uses flesh does not mean body. It's not saying your body is evil. It's just saying that the flesh is everything not spiritual about you, right? Those are the things that we're talking about here. So how do we conquer the acts of the flesh? Well, I would say it's bigger than self-control. Clearly, the Bible says we have to resist sin. You know, you have to make an effort to stop being uh, uh, unchristian about stuff. One of the things when you have little kids that is really great to watch, we have, you know, grandkids were here this weekend, and we're going to get a new grandbaby, hope, next month. But when kids learn to walk, I know you guys don't babysit much, but someday you'll have kids soon, in fact. And little kids don't get born walking. That's not how they learn to walk. You know, they, they kind of do some funny things. And one of the things, Sally, particularly my, my baby daughter, she didn't want to crawl. She just kind of decided she didn't really want to crawl. So one of the, you get all excited about this. Well, one day they roll over. And you're all like, oh boy, they rolled over. You know? And most of the time it's a total accident, right? They were playing around. And then all of a sudden, whoa, you know, they go over and they're like scared and they cry. And then you, you, you encourage them and they do it more. Pretty soon it's like, roll over and they roll over. You know, it's like little dogs, you know, it's like rolling over kind of stuff. It's true, isn't it? It's like Ruby rolled, I know. But anyway, <laughs> Ruby rolled back. Well, anyway, Sally refused for some. They're supposed to next after that. They're supposed to discover they have knees and start crawling. Sally didn't do it for a long time. She would drag herself along. And, and so we'd kind of joke about her being like an alligator because she'd, she'd drag herself along on her elbows, and then she'd go, <laughs> So we called, we called her Sally Gator for a while. She's scarred for life because of that. But, but my, my point is, at some point, they get up. They finally figure out they got legs. You did it too, usually around a year. And they'll pull up onto something and stand up. And they'll be just like, whoo, and we, But everybody's applauding, right? We're all like, Ruby stood up. You know, Ruby stood up. And... and, and Ruby's like, well, this makes him happy, okay, you know, I'll do it once in a while. And then all of a sudden, one day, it's no lie, they'll be, be kind of, and they'll just decide they're going to go over there, and then they sort of try. And my point I'm getting at is, guys, you've got to try to learn to walk in the Spirit. It doesn't happen automatically. When a little kid takes a couple steps, instead of yelling, they fall down and they cry, do we yell at them for trying? No. We like pick them up and go, let's walk some more, you know, and encourage them, and over and over, and a normal kid by a year, you, you start to wish they couldn't walk after that, you know, because they start running around. It's the same thing with us. I think when we start walking, it hurts. You fall down and embarrass yourself. You lose your patience sometime, you know. You get anxious. You get really, really jealous of Kobe's beard. Something happens and you go, okay, Lord, this is silly. Help me again, right? 
I guess I'm warning you, you're going to fall and you're going to get wounded a little bit, a little scarred knees. Every little kid you've ever seen has a banged, a bruise on their head at some point. They love fireplaces. It's amazing. They go for fireplaces. But that's the way life is going to be, right? I guess what I'm saying, guys, if jealousy is a battle for you, let's walk anyway. Let's walk in the Spirit and let God start creating those fruits of the Spirit and pushing away jealousies and envies because they don't belong there. Those are things for other people to worry about. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we thank you that uh, you didn't want to leave us just wishing we were somebody else or envying other people because you love us the way we are. I pray, Lord, help us uh, grow your fruit, work with your spirit, walk in your spirit throughout our lives. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Would those serving communion please come forward?